to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. This is Gonzo. And this is Steve. Gonzo, Steve. how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm happy to be sitting with you again and uh, knocking out another awesome episode of the podcast. I, I, I can't wait. I love doing these. Yeah, and I'm, I'm getting more excited about this uh, half marathon. I'm like, at first I was like, oh, kind of dreading it. Today I did a pretty long run. I did like over, like over five miles and I was feeling pretty good. And I, I'm cut back sugar. I feel like I'm starting to lean down a little bit. I've been losing a little weight. So it's like, oh, I'm like feeling pretty motivated. Your, your face doesn't look as fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I haven't shaved. If it, <laughs> but yes, thank you. Yeah, you're looking slimmer. So good job. Yeah, it's like as soon as as soon as this gut is gone, I'm gonna be feeling way more confident. (laughs) You're welcome, Bonnie. (laughs) (laughs) She she doesn't like it. She I think she prefers it if like I'm out of shape. (laughs) You know, something I think worth note was uh, something super special happened this week. Yeah, yeah. We got a new federal holiday, Juneteenth. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because this has been. I th- you know, it really was brought more to my attention last year with a lot of the riots and a lot of the George Floyd stuff going on. And I honestly had never heard of Juneteenth, June 19th, didn't stand out as a big major day to me. But now it's an official federal holiday. Yeah. And I know people have celebrated it. It's like, I know the the Emancipation Proclamation was signed January 1st of like 1863, but is June 19th, um, I think, 1865 by the time that everybody knew about it, I guess. It's like the that day, all the, it's like in tech, in some places in Texas like or Galveston. something. It, it's the, by then, like the, the war had spread out. Like the major declaration. I don't, I don't know, and I'm not going to profess to be some, like, but, know all the details, but yeah, like my. Let's study U.S. history, guys. Yeah. Let's figure out, like. My research into it was exactly that. Just, uh, yeah, June 19th, 1965 is what's credited as that day of the, the Declaration of Emancipation to, for all, to freedom of all people, like mm-hmm. enslaved people. And the last time I was doing a little bit of research, the last time we had a federal holiday created was in 1983 with Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Oh, cool. So the last time this happened was before any of us were born. If you were in our class, you know, all you old people listening, maybe you were babies or alive by then. I know your grandma was alive. (laughs) Yes, she she was. But I just thought that was really interesting. And I think it's, it's great that we have this new, this new holiday that we get to recognize because that's, that's a very significant event in history. Uh, Natalie and I were out on a date yesterday, uh, last night, and we were just at Traverse Mountain and the Nike outlet was actually closed to, you know, and uh, on honor. that day. Oh, that's and sweet. And so it was, we couldn't go in there, couldn't look at any stuff, couldn't buy anything at the Nike outlet. But uh, it was just to to really create awareness. And I think it's great. So now we have another holiday during the summertime, which is always a great thing, but a way for us to really hopefully appreciate the freedoms that we enjoy for the people that, you know, with all of the racial injustices and the things that we're learning about going on, hopefully it just creates a lot more awareness to create more racial equity and equality across the board. And I think it's great. We have a new federal holiday that we get to observe. Yeah. And for us, like it's also, we need to, you know, educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not, so hopefully it's not just like, Hey, here's a new holiday, but it's something that maybe hopefully a catalyst so we can learn more about the struggles that black people have felt throughout American history and are still feeling today, you yeah, know? So. Absolutely. Uh, I 100% agree. And so hopefully it creates, like I said, I, I was ignorant of it. I didn't know a lot about it. I started to learn a little bit more last year, and now hopefully I just continue to learn more and educate myself, and hopefully everyone else does the same. Yeah. So, nice. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that said... I'm super excited for our episode today. Me too. Um, we have Gus on, Daniel Stedman, Daniel Gus Stedman. Um, yeah. Gus is not even his name. It's not even a middle name or anything. He's just, <laughs> yeah. 
he he's told me that before is that there were in elementary school there was like a whole bunch of other Daniels in his class and he's just like picked Gus out of nowhere. He like, picked Gus from the Cinderella movie. That mouse, Gus, Gus. Yeah, you cause, yes, that's what he I says. I mean, and this is like, I think it's like revisionist history because he's never told me that Gus Gus thing until like after like it's kind of that that story morphed. The original story is that he just picked Gus out of nowhere. That's what he told me. But it, it the could revisionist be story sounds better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, but I don't know. I I guess we all tend to do that. Yeah, yeah. We have Gus on today and. Uh, He's been like one of my absolute best friends, like a brother since we were 12 years old. Like from when I moved to Utah from California as a kid, he's just, I, I, I have countless memories with him, with his family. So many people have even said that you guys, it's like, are you guys brothers? I remember that was like a classic thing that they thought you were, you and Gus were brothers. Yeah. I think his younger brother, Eric, like if you mixed me and you mixed Gus, it would make Eric. Like, I think that we have, I don't know, it's really... Do we have the technology? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I'll look into it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but hey. I'm looking forward to it. So here's our... Uh... Our conversation with Gus. Okay, we are sitting down with one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world, Gus Stedman. Gus, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Steve? So good. I love you. I love you, too. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks. Not a lot of people know, but Gus has been, he's like, I know you've listened to all the episodes, but you've also like helped us get guests on. Yeah. So I've, uh, like I, Gus and I work together. So I'd go down like, oh man, I wish I could get like a hold of this person or something. And like, Gus like, I got it. And pull out his phone <laughs> and like started texting a whole bunch of people and things that yeah um i appreciate it thanks yeah yeah no problem it's it's fun i've been able to kind of stay in touch with several people that probably weren't good friends with but stayed in touch through instagram mostly and makes it easy to say hey have you heard about this podcast it's a lot of fun check it out kind of thing what do they say when you tell them <laughs> um, most of the time it's um, either they haven't heard of it at all and they say, oh no, that sounds really interesting. And then I say, yeah, you should listen to it and then be a guest. And usually they all, they almost all say the same thing. Oh, my life's boring. Like no one wants to hear about, about me. And I tell them, well, it's not about like your life. It's about you know, how you saw yourself and what it really is about, what you've learned, the, the more interesting parts of life, not necessarily where you went to school and all that kind of same, same stuff that everybody has but what's your individual experiences and the funny thing is like steve and i talk about it we're always surprised because we we you don't know what to expect and everyone's had different experiences and everybody's learned something different right right yeah it's like we're all the same age but everybody's got a different flavor you know as we've gotten older everyone has different experiences so right i've been looking forward to this one though because like we planned this a while ago and you wake up super early. We know this. And so we appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. By the way, we're live here in person. Yeah. I love these in-person episodes. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to come down and really see Gonzo's house. I haven't seen it yet. So we'll give you the full tour after too. Deal. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's get it started a little bit. Can you just kind of fill everybody in on where you're at? If you, if you're married, if you have any kids or. Yeah. Um, I married Rachel. It's been nine and a half years. We have one kid that he's just hit nine months old. His name's Lincoln. Um, we did lose identical triplet boys back in May of 2018. So I've considered myself a father since then. You know, now I actually have my child here with with us on Earth. So it's technically my fourth Father's Day, <laughs> but but kind of my first at the same time. And Lincoln's like super cute. Uh, he's yeah. Gus, you send me pictures and mm-hmm. like my wife loves your baby. I'll be like, look at this picture. She's like, is that Lincoln? I just love him so much. <laughs> he's adorable. He's good. He he really is like the cutest baby. I mean, of course, as the father, I'm going to say the cutest baby I've ever seen. But I feel like he really is, even if he wasn't my own. But maybe that's just a father's eyes, you know. You weren't always, like, super fond of babies, right? <laughs> no, no. I, I was never, like, anti-baby, but I was never like, hey, let me hold your baby. Like, that's just was never my personality. 
I mean, I know Steve, you were like that, especially in, when we were teenagers and like going to church and our like scout leaders, kids and stuff, you know, as well, want to play with their babies and stuff. I love babies. <laughs> yeah. That was never me, but with Lincoln, it's, it's obviously very different. Yeah. It's very obvious. So you married to Rachel, you got a son. Can you tell us a little bit about how you saw yourself in high school when you were a kid? Yeah. Obviously, I've been putting a lot of thought into this, like really just, what, what would I say? Um, and I really don't know, so we're just going to wing it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all that preparation did me no good, but let's just see what happens here. I would say in high school, I would almost say shy, but I at the same time got really thinking about it. And I don't know that I was actually shy. I think I was just more reserved. And I think there is a difference there. Like, I was never one to be easily embarrassed, which I think leans more towards shyness. Like, I would do things that would embarrass people, but I didn't care because I thought it was funny or whatever. But it was only here and there, once in a while. I, I did, did like to stay, keep to myself for the most part. I think I've always credited you two as my best friends growing up as helping me grow and kind of break out of my shell. I think in, in elementary school, I was very much outgoing and, in, and didn't have a shell. I was kind of the class clown all growing up in elementary school. And then by middle school, things things just changed so drastically. You know, the atmosphere going from elementary to, to middle school was, was just such a shock to me. I struggled in seventh grade with just with school in general, just because it was so different. And I think that that's when the shell really formed around myself. But then, Steve, we actually met the first day of seventh grade, third period English class. <laughs> the first <laughs> conversation we ever had was you turning around and asking me to borrow a pen. And we've been best friends ever since. And then, Gonzo, I met you a year later um, at the ward Christmas party. And we had the luxury of growing up together in the same ward. And I think that you know, developing that t- very tight, close friendship that we, that we had helped me a lot. Kind of, it broke that shell, but I was still kind of that reserved, calm person. And I think I'm still that way for the most part today. Yeah, I mean, and I agree to all that. I, I think maybe even like eighth or ninth grade or, or ninth grade to sophomore year, you started kind of breaking out and mm-hmm. talking to, I know like talking to girls was something that was really hard for you mm-hmm. at first. And then, yeah. and then you started getting a lot more comfortable with it. Do you think, I feel like you grew a few, a whole bunch of inches, like over <laughs> maybe like eighth and ninth grade. Do you yeah. think that had something to do with it? Um, like all of a sudden getting bigger and like from elementary to mi- to middle school, you have this big old growth spurt. Yeah. Do you think that had anything to do with like your shyness or your reservedness? I really don't. I mean, I kind of, I feel like I grew, yeah, it was fast, but... And I grew tall, but I also grew like, you know, kind of filled out at the same time. So I was never like awkwardly tall or anything. You were never, just, like, you were never lanky. No, yeah. no, I was never lanky. It just, so I don't feel like, and I still felt like myself, you know, I still felt like the same person. I didn't realize that I had gotten physically bigger like that until other people started pointing it out or we'd be at a friend's house and someone would put on boxing gloves and as soon as I would put them on, they'd take them off. <laughs> like, well, what's, and I was always like, well, I want to play, you know, and nobody else would want to. And that's kind of when I started to realize, hey, maybe it's because I, maybe I am bigger than other people. I never really realized it until things like that started happening. Or like Gonzo, you and Ray would get in wrestling fights and stuff. And 8.56. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, no one would ever do that with me. And I, that's when I started to realize like, maybe it's because I am bigger than most most of our friends our age and everything yeah no one wants a slap in the face from <laughs> Gus like they'll take one from me but <laughs> like in high school when it's like oh Gus you're 6'2 like 190 mm-hmm. mm, I'd rather not <laughs> that's okay yeah see and I didn't feel like I was you know bigger or stronger but I, I think it in other people's eyes I looked that way and then I found out I think after we graduated, I was talking to, I want to say it could have been Sarah Olson or one of those girls in, in our group of friends kind of mentioned, maybe even been Christina. They mentioned that they were actually kind of afraid of me 
when we when we first met in high school, they told me it was because I was kind of quiet and bigger and kind of intimidating looking, and I wasn't you know super open and friendly. I've also been accused of having RBF, um, resting bitch face. Oh. People see me just sitting, you know, on my own, even in a, at a party or something, and I just have this look on my face that looks that's not very inviting. And so I learned from one of the girls in our group of friends, our big group, that yeah, more than one of them was actually kind of scared of me at first until they actually got to know me and got to talking to me and then realized, oh, he's, he's not scary. He's kind of like that teddy bear kind of, kind of guy. You just have to get through that shell kind of thing. So what's, what's different? What, who are you today? I, I would still say I'm, I'm very similar. At least I feel like I am. To how I was back then. My wife's family, especially, they, it's almost like when I do say something in a, in a big group family setting, like some people almost act shocked that I, that I said something. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we've been married for nine and a half years now, and that's becoming less common. Like, I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I am speaking up more, sharing more in, in that setting. But as far as change, the biggest changes I've, I've experienced would definitely be my marriage. I didn't get married until 25. I feel like that time of my life between high school and my marriage, you know, that because we, we were actually 17 when we graduated. Just, I was, I, it was on my birthday. Yeah. But you, yours was seven days later. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we graduated and then a week later I turned 18. So from that time until I got married at 25, I almost feel like my life is a complete blur. I don't remember much about those years. I feel like I don't want to remember much about those years. I, I know I had some good times in there. I know I had some rough times in there. I do feel like once I actually met Rachel and we got married, things in my life really started to fall into place. And, and obviously, I eternally have my wife to thank for, for that, for the, the right direction she's helped me get my life going. So. That was probably the biggest change I can think of. Um, what are those benefits? What what has being married to Rachel like? You're saying my life is falling into place. Like, what are those things that are falling into place? I feel like it's giving me more of a reason to do anything, you know, to do things in general. It's giving me a reason to, because I still don't really know what I want to do with my life, as far as career or anything. I really don't know. I mean, Gonzo, you and I work together. I've worked there with you for, what, six years now? Yeah. And I wouldn't say I hate it. I definitely don't hate it. I, I enjoy it most, most days. Some, sometimes it gets stressful, but that's, but it's that's, probably, that's life. Yeah, that's but it's work. probably not what you want to do the rest of right. your life. Yeah, right? I, don't, I wouldn't say I want to be a HVAC install coordinator. <laughs> you know, yeah. Most people probably don't even know what that entails. And I didn't either. It's kind of a made-up position. <laughs> So I've, I've considered real estate. I've actually done about 75% of the real estate prep courses. And then Lincoln was born and just, it's been hard to find time to finish that. I just really just should just buckle down and just make it happen somehow. Um, it's just hard with the, with the baby, but, but yeah, like getting married to Rachel gave, kind of gave me more of a direction, kind of narrowed things to where there was a goal. She, she has things that she wants for us and our family, and I want those things too. To get to those things, there's things that we need to change or make happen. It's just, it's given me a little bit more clarity on what I need to do. And I, I still don't really know, but it's, I feel like it's getting there. You're on that trajectory. Like you're heading yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. You know, you and I were talking about this, just, uh, just saying, like, you, you said, what you just said, like, I don't know how much I've changed or what these differences are. Maybe, maybe you guys have seen it more in me. And I said, absolutely. I have the things that I thought of were exactly the things that you brought up because those seven years that you were talking about between like high school and, and marriage, you would always show up to work on time. Like being on time, not Gus's problem. No, like my Nancy's ex-husband called you steady Steadman. Yep. It's like Gus will always be on time for anything, mm -hmm. but you also were just nuts. Like, like you just do all kind. Like, no, you were up for anything. You and I, you were like, "Hey, I saw this thing on TV called the Heart Attack Grill. We should go on a road trip down there." And so you and me and Drew, we just go on a week long road trip. Yeah. 
just to go eat the quadruple bypass burger. 8,000 calories in one burger. And, <laughs> and, and if you eat it, they take you out to your car in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like the waitresses are dressed like nurses and stuff. Like, I feel like that was you all the time. It's like <laughs> up for anything. Let's go do it. Don't even care. Let's go. I'm not saying that as a bad thing because right. I think that was awesome. And I think that was the time in the season. Mm-hmm. And now with Rachel and especially so with Rachel, when Rachel got pregnant with triplets, that was awesome. Super sad. And then now you have Lincoln and like seeing you as a dad and as a husband, like that's the biggest thing that I, I can't tell you how different and how awesome it is to have watched you evolve from this single guy that's up for anything to I'm going to do anything now to like provide and be there. And I love my kids so much. Let me show you all these freaking cute <laughs> pictures of my cute baby. I don't think that I can put into words how big that change has been and for the better. And I think that Rachel, maybe all three of us, like all three of us grew up together, but we all married like ladies that are way better than us that help <laughs> we, us. We a definitely ton. married up. And so like shout out to Rachel for like, thanks for helping Gus. Yeah. I, I love what you've become as a husband and a father, for sure. Something that I admire. Thank you, Steve. That means yeah, a lot. I mean, I think I agree. And you and I have talked about this, too, because we're saying, oh, I, don't, I don't know what my changes are. Right. And for me, it has been your priorities. They, you, they've changed with Rachel because at first, and even in those seven years or before, your friends were your priority. Yeah, you know, it's I would just agree. Like, yeah. It was you and Hess, and, you know, and we're going to mm-hmm. do everything together, and we're yeah. just always going to be, like, just hanging out all the time. Yeah. But then it became Rachel once you guys got married, and now it's your family. It's Rachel, Lincoln, mm-hmm. you guys together, and it's even just a couple of years ago, you wouldn't mind working, like, 110, 110, 20 hours if we had, if we were busy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just work as many hours as, I, as, as much as there's work. I'll stay and work. Yeah. And now it's like, well, I want to go home and see my baby, so bye. You know? And it's like, yeah, it's cool because it's you see the change in you. It's like, no, Lincoln's number one, Rachel's number one, and yep. um, I want to be with him. I want to be with Lincoln, and even yeah. even your crazy schedule because you say like that had kind of started with Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys were like maybe he was a little smaller or like having trouble feeding, and you guys were feeding him at crazy hours in the night, mm-hmm. and you were like going to bed at 6.30 or like some, and then getting up at midnight and then getting up at two or something, you yep, know, it's just yep. like you were doing all that because Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I've seen. I've seen your priorities change. you change into a guy that's like my family's number one and what Rachel needs, what Lincoln needs, they're my top priority. Yeah, they definitely are. And I can't even begin to express how important they are to me. I'm sure. I mean, you guys are husbands and fathers as well you probably feel the same way but yeah you're right like before Lincoln yeah I had no problem working 120 hours in a pay period or, or more I'd work 10 to 12 hours Monday through Friday and then go in and put another you put some 10 five, six yeah, five, Saturday, five yeah, to exactly, ten on yeah. a Saturday no problem yeah and I just I mean I, I I say that I can't anymore because of Lincoln but you're right it's also that I won't anymore because it, of Lincoln yeah it's like you don't want to yeah, and that and that's great. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to say your biggest lessons, like I know we talked about priorities a lot. Mm-hmm. What else do you think you've learned in the last twenty years? Another thing, especially that I think I learned thanks to Rachel, I would say is is the importance of honesty. I mean, obviously, growing up in the church, that's one of the main principles. You know, be honest, you know? and I would say for the most part, I was, I was a pretty good, honest person, but I also learned early on to be a pretty good liar. I think I was, I wouldn't say I really was necessarily a manipulator, but I could, I learned how to get away with things and I was probably too good at that. And I, that is something in my life I definitely regret was lying so much and being so good at it, especially. And then with Rachel, I've learned her main priority is honesty she just she says i don't care whatever you're lying about it might be bad and yeah i'm gonna be upset about that but the main thing that i'm gonna be upset about is if you lie about it that's been a big thing for me i need to like i learned to just be honest and it's something i think i always knew 
you know, and you, you see it in like the justice system and anything like people tend to get lighter sentences or they're dealt with a little easier if they're honest. And so I, mean, I feel like it's something I've always known, but with Rachel, it is a, it's a big deal. I mean, I could, <laughs> I would never, but if I killed someone and, and lied about it, the lie would hurt her more than killing someone. Dang. <laughs> Depends on who, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But, but that, that's kind of, the, you yeah. know, that's just, that's the idea. The lie hurts, hurts her more than the act. Like honesty is paramount. Yes. Yes. And, and then communication as well. That's something that, you know, I coached track and field at West Jordan High School for five years. And that was super fun. I actually started that right when Rachel and I uh, first met. So like the first five years of us knowing each other, I was a coach for West Jordan. As, as a coach for the high school kids, that, that's what I would try to teach them. I mean, obviously I'm teaching them track and field. I'm teaching them their events and stuff and proper running form and jumping technique and all that, the technical side of it. But I kind of felt as a coach, like these, these kids are actually my responsibility from 3 o'clock till 5, 5.30. They are the coach's responsibility. If they don't show up to practice and we don't know about it and they get into trouble, that can come back on us as the coaches. I don't know if you guys knew that, but that's how it works with, with high school coaches because during those times, they are our responsibility. And so we had this pretty strict attendance policy on the track team. The biggest thing I would try to drill into the kids was communicate. You're, you're welcome to miss a practice if you need to, if you tell us about it. Don't just miss a practice and to miss a practice and not tell anyone because then we're worried about you. If something happens, we're worried that it's our fault, whether it is or it isn't. That becomes a big deal. And we, we cared about the kids. Genuinely, I really did. I'm actually still friends with, with a handful of them. That was just kind of a life lesson. I, I really tried to drill into them was communication. And I've noticed in myself there was a, maybe a smidge of hypocrisy there because I'm, you know, I'm drilling this into the kids. And, and then I'm realizing later, like, you know what? I, I'm not great at communicating all the time either. Sometimes, yeah, I'm great at it. And, but then sometimes I'm, I'm not. Sometimes I'll do something or forget something and, and not communicate it and it causes problems later. And then it goes right back into that honesty thing with Rachel. And if I'm honest, yes, I'm sorry, I forgot. This was my fault. Everything's fine. So they kind of go together in that sense. Communication and honesty are two huge things that I'm, I'm still working on and I do feel like I'm getting better at them. Yeah, they're, they're kind of helping shape who I'm becoming. So, I mean, those are great mm-hmm. lessons. And there are things that they're super important. Yeah. You know, especially to like for any relationship, mm-hmm. not only husband and wife, but any, any, relationship. any relationship. I agree. Work, friends, father, son, you know, any, anything. Yeah. So you, you talked to, we've talked a lot about your family, but what's something that you're passionate about? Obviously tennis. You guys know, I'm, I, you guys actually got me into tennis. Um, when I was going to SUU, I came home from school one weekend and called you guys up. Hey, let's hang out. And you're like, oh, we're, we're going to go, go play tennis at the park. And I was so confused. Like, Why are we playing tennis? That's super weird. We don't do that. <laughs> and, and I even remember those first times you were just hitting them like baseballs. Like so many of those <laughs> tennis balls like went like way out of the cage. There were just, 100 like, yards over runners. the fence. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyone that came like towards over the tracks. Like, boom! <laughs> Home run. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did that because I've seen, I had seen tennis on TV and the pros are doing that. They're hitting the ball as hard as, as they hard can. As they can. Yeah. But somehow they're able to keep it not only in the fence, but in the boundaries of the, yeah. of the court. And it's so I was magic. just, yeah, serious. That's what, it, that's what it felt like when I actually tried it and uh, was hitting them a hundred yards over the fence. So that became a passion. I I was, I think that's what hooked me. It was seeing the pros hit like they did me trying to copy them and being nowhere near what they were doing. And it really got me to try to do that. I'm going to learn how to hit the ball as hard as I can and keep it in the court. Yeah. And you play well. I mean, it's, I don't think I've beaten you in a couple of years. Yeah, I think it's been a few well, years. And now. you guys play a lot. It's we, not yeah. like... <laughs> Gus and I almost every Saturday. Almost, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. 
most Saturdays in the morning we'll go out and play. And it's been, yeah, it's been a couple of years since I've beaten you. Sometimes it's, I don't think, I, maybe last year I took a set from you. But most of the time. <laughs> One or two. Yeah. 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 But it's, but you're self-taught. Mm-hmm. And I remember you'd watch like YouTube videos mm-hmm. on like different tutorials. I even used to have a notebook. Like I'd watch those YouTube videos and take notes. <laughs> Baby step style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I was that extreme, but, but yeah. And it's something that, I mean, you've, you have good form and you play really well and it's all it's all stuff that you figured out on your and and I I mean you know we've been playing it for over ten years mm-hmm. we picked it up kind of when we were eighteen and mm-hmm. we've been playing pretty steadily since so, yeah yeah um, you, you know of course you would improve but I remember you specifically studying up on different techniques and different things and I mean that serve is killer still <laughs> yeah my serve kind of. It can make or break a match for me, for sure. We'll have super close matches if my serve is off, and then when my serve is on, I win pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, because I know that this is a huge passion of yours, and because you're so passionate about it, I'll get into like Twitter arguments with people <laughs> when it's like, who's the greatest athlete of all time? And people will be like, it's Michael Jordan, or Michael Phelps, or Tom Brady. And I'll be like, no, Roger Federer. <laughs> All the time, and they're like, what the crap? Like, but I'll like go to my grave thinking, like, for how long and how great he has been. And tennis is not an easy sport, no, but he's been so great for so long. Yeah, like, I, I dare anybody to send in a voice memo with a better athlete, greatest of all time, like a better goat than Roger Federer. I would, I would put the caveat like within their sport because I've, I've since um, come to the conclusion that. The greatest pure athlete of all time at that time is whoever holds the world record in the, the decathlon. In the decathlon. Yeah. That person has got to be the greatest pure athlete in my mind of all time. But yeah, it, within their sport, I would say. But that I person would, couldn't beat Roger Federer in tennis. tennis <laughs> absolutely not. Well, here's the thing about the decathlete the, a decathlete <laughs> needs to be like. A prime human mm-hmm. specimen, yes, but only within that year of the of the Olympics. While Roger has been at the top of his game for twenty years, you know, and he's been either Roger, or Rafa, or or Novak have either been like at the top of the tennis world for yeah. like twenty years, and it's yep. and it, and it's hard to name any other athlete that has been that at that level of like world class for that long for that period long. of time. Absolutely. So it's like the, the athlete could be at the one time, the most all around mm-hmm. well, like best athlete of the world at that, in that year. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, if we had a decathlete that won the gold three Olympics in a row, then that's like, you could be like, you know, this dude <laughs> is the best. But, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's, it, it's a tough argument. Yeah. And I think that's why I say Holds the world record, not just who got the last gold medal, because yeah, but he gets the world record and then he hits the heart attack grill and he's like gains like a whole bunch of weight and it's like it's like he's yeah. got nothing on like the dedication yeah. that the right like, Ro- dedication over time yeah absolutely yeah. Rogers like mm-hmm. you know taking care of his body for twenty or plus years yep. to like yep. be at the top of the game yeah yeah so de- tennis definitely a huge passion obviously um, when I worked at Sports Authority. My least favorite part of that job was being out on the, on the floor, talking to customers, helping them find what they needed, unless it was in the tennis department. <laughs> I, could, I could stand there and talk with a customer in front of the tennis rackets, and I did this several times, 45 plus minutes, explaining the differences in all the rackets and why I would push one racket on them versus another one. And, and then, obviously, if they're looking at tennis, they had some sort of reason so I'd get into that, and we we would talk pro tennis, and who do you like? Oh, you like Nadal? Oh, I hate Nadal. Like, I hate him so I much. Hate him. I, I hate him so much. <laughs> He's so good, but I hate him so much. He's so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so that was, like, kind of a fun perk of working there. Also, because I worked there, I learned how to restring tennis rackets, and I I would consider that a passion you know, kind of branched off of just tennis in general is I have a, a string machine in my in my house now. You got that because Sports Authority mm-hmm. like went out of business and they're like, well, I is tried, that how it happened? I or? tried to buy one of Sports Authority's old string machines when they went out of business, but someone else had already 
put in for them and they wanted way more than I wanted uh, to spend. Because <laughs> okay. they had really nice high-end like all-electric okay. string machines. So I just bought a, a crank-style string machine for like 400 bucks online. And it does the trick just as good if you know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And for all your tennis fans out there uh, that listen to the podcast, Gus will string them for... 20 bucks. 20 bucks a racket. So I have I have different types of string that I can offer you, or you can bring your own string to me, and I'll do it for you. No problem. That's awesome. Yeah. So tennis, stringing, huge passions. Um, obviously, my family, we've been over that majority of this episode, I'd say. Yeah. Any other passions? Demon Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certain, uh, certain anime TV shows. Demon Slayer is pretty good. Um, we just watched... You just got me to watch Invincible on Amazon Prime. That one was pretty cool, too. Only one season so far, though. Yeah, that's that's a mature show. So Don't let your kids watch don't that let your one. Kids watch <laughs> I, I don't want to cut off your passions, but I just want to ask. I have like a couple memories I want to go over, so I want to ask yeah. you if you have any beef that you want to hash out with us or with anybody. Or respond to somebody else's beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we obviously I have a response to uh, Teresa's beef. I was going to send in a voice memo on it, and uh, I decided I would just save my response for my episode. So um, her beef with me was that I turned her down when she asked me to a dance in high school, and that was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I would say yes, that would have been cold if that really happened. And for all I, for that all beef I beef denial, <laughs> kind of beef denial. Um, for all I like, all honesty, I do not remember her ever asking me. I really don't. I don't have the greatest memory, but I really don't remember that ever happening. And if it did, honestly, I want to tell you, Teresa, I'm sorry if that really did happen. I really am sorry. But at the same time. I honestly don't think it did, it did happen. What I was thinking is that it could have been like a, a classic Gus thing. Like she's like, maybe she asked you, was like not formally like, or, you know, you talk kids, we all did some, some, some extravagant yeah. Yeah, way mm-hmm. to ask someone to a dance. But, but maybe she's just like, Gus, go to this dance with me. And maybe you thought she was kidding. Or maybe you like, yeah, didn't think she was serious, and you did like a gust thing, like no, and then that is that is definitely a possibility. I've I've also thought of that. Yeah, it's very possible that I. I and, and then if she was for real, or if you thought she was for real, you'd be like, yeah, of course. But then, right. but you you maybe you thought it would have been hilarious if you would have been like, no, right away. So I don't know, Teresa. We need more details. Right. Well, and that's that's just it. Um, about a year ago or so, something like that, she had us over to her house for a, like a little barbecue. And she and I actually already hashed this out. So she brought up old beef. Hashed beef. It was, yeah. It's hashed beef. We already discussed it face-to-face at her house. Uh, I love that it's already been like hashed out. Yeah, she brought, up she anyway. brought it up anyway. Yeah. It was still, she had lingering things like that, I guess. Well, people got to come up with something. Right. The the, the complete honest truth is that I don't remember it happening. And if if it did really happen, I really feel like I would have said yes. And the only reason I can think of that I would have said no is junior year, I was dating Amanda Larson. And senior year, I was dating Megan Jolly from Alta. And that's... I don't think I would have gone to a dance with another girl if if I had a girlfriend at the time. So those are the only reasons I can think of that I would have said no. Either I didn't take her seriously or I had a girlfriend, but I really don't remember it even happening at all. Is there any other beef? That's one question that I knew was coming that I did not give any thought to at all. (laughs) (laughs) Because I really don't feel like I have any beef. I would not be surprised if... Other people do have beef with me because I was kind of more reserved, like we already talked about. And I was actually talking to Gonzo quite a while ago when the podcast was first becoming a thing. In middle school, at least, I I would consider myself, to certain people, kind of a bully. And I don't know if they, they probably don't listen. They probably, and if they do, uh, I think it was Chad Lenz. And do you remember Corey's last name? I think it was Roach. That's right, Corey Roach. 
I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I genuinely feel like I was a bully to you guys in middle school, and I'm sorry. And I think, I mean, if we're talking about bullying, I got to apologize, too. I think Rolly Backpack Kid from middle school, we were really mean to Rolly Backpack Kid. I don't know who he is, right? but I remember, like, kicking his Rolly Backpack, <laughs> and that's kind of messed up. Sorry, Rolly Backpack Kid. Especially because looking back now, I kind of feel like he was ahead of the game. Oh, was a yeah. <laughs> so, so smart. Seriously, we're all lugging around these heavy backpacks thinking we're cooler than the kid who's just dragging his on wheels. Like, he's saving his legs, his back. Yeah, he's way smarter than us. He's got his Maybe that's kid picking on him. <laughs> Maybe that's why we picked on him because we knew he was smarter than us. Man, you guys are such jerks. <laughs> No, yes. just, just kidding. Yes. Well, I mean, I've talked about that too. It's just like, and especially in middle school, I was kind of figuring it out and I felt like being a, a mean way to tease. Um, well, and, and you people. you were kind of bullied yourself in, in middle school too. By you guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we knew you, yes, we yeah. did. But also... And even after you knew me, it's like, I still have a slight accent, mm-hmm. but it's if I would mispronounce any word, man... I would never hear the end of it. Or if I, even an idiom, if I'm saying, you know, in Spanish, in and on mm-hmm. are the same word for in and on. You were, you were always in a roll. Yeah, I was in a roll. And I, even today, I still roll. like switch them out, but it's like I have PTSD and I like instantly <laughs> correct it uh, from so much teasing from you guys. So, but whatever. You, whatever. I don't have beef about it. You weren't, you weren't bullied by us the same way as from what I've heard about like back at Albion and, and other middle schools where yeah, yeah. So kids I, like physically beat you up. Yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I fought, fought back. You. Yeah, yeah. Kids so fought I, you. I was in in Albion especially. I was getting in tons of fights. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you were the foreign kid. Yeah, so foreign hate, but whatever. <laughs> you got over it. Yeah, well, it wasn't like, it was even, I'm not like saying I'd win every time. I got... I got some roughed up a couple times, but it's like I'd win more than I lose. <laughs> get a good record. Yeah, yeah. That record gets better the older you get. Yeah, yeah. I lost half a fight. <laughs> yeah. There was one. I, there's a few things I want to bring up. One, do you remember in middle school that we had to? We were partners, and we had to come up with an invention. <laughs> oh man, I know exactly. Yes, this is like one of my favorite memories of all time. So Gus and I, you and I, we. We decided we're going to come up with this amazing invention of emergency preparedness shoes, yeah. which was what? Sock and a shoe. Sock and a shoe. If there's a fire, if there's an earthquake, if there's an emergency, you got a pair of shoes that already have the sock built into the shoe. So yep. you're, you just got to slide it on. You're ready to go. You're yep. not going to get yep. blisters. Yep. And do you want to tell what happens or do you want me to tell what happens? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell it. So, so we were in your kitchen trying to, part of the project was to create physically your invention. And so I believe it was Mr. Graham's class, right? I think so. Yeah. So we were in your kitchen. We had a shoe. I think it was one of my extra shoes. And we had this long tube sock. I think it went like almost all the way up to my knee. And we were like, how are we going to get this sock to stay inside the shoe? And we were like, well, duh, hot glue. (laughs) So we opened up the shoe and I think we took the laces out completely and opened it up. And Steve, you squeezed the hot glue into the shoe. We filled it. Yeah. And I put the sock on my foot. The plan was to stick my foot in the shoe and then pull the sock off. (laughs) In theory, it should have worked perfectly. Yep. (laughs) Later, realizing it's it's called hot glue. So yeah, I stuck my foot in the shoe. No hesitation at all. Just stuck my just stuck my whole foot in there, and immediately started yelling <laughs> in pain because it was so it was burning my foot genuinely burning my foot so i hurried and pulled my foot out in a panic steve's kind of panicking because i'm panicking and i went to take the sock off i reached down and grabbed the sock with my hand oh. now my hand is burning from the hot glue that i just touched from my on my foot and then i couldn't decide which one hurt worse <laughs> Hot freaking melting glue on your hand. It was like it was like Ace Ventura when it gets hit in each leg with the spear. He's like, ah! 
<laughs> You're just like yeah. looking. Looked at my hand screaming, looked at my foot screaming in pain. Which one do I take care of first? This like which one hurts worse? It was just a yeah, kind of a kind of a nightmare. But I think we still ended up using that as our actual project in the class and I don't remember what grade we got. We probably got an A. Probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we really did. Mr. You. Graham yeah, he, I was like his favorite student, so he probably gave us an A. It's like one of my favorite memories of all time. <laughs> and then uh I think was it Miss Bauer's class? Miss Bauer hated me. Yes. Miss Bauer, human biology. She hated my guts. Tenth grade. So I have this memory where you would sit in the back mm-hmm. on the counter mm-hmm. and lay down and just sleep in class, <laughs> and she had no problem with she it. She never said, "Hey Gus, sit in your seat." Like my desk was back there, so I would in the back of my chair of my desk was against the counter, so I could sit on the counter and put my feet on the chair in front of me. And kind of listen that way, or yeah, sometimes I did lay down on the counter, like straight up. And she never, she never said anything to me, like "Hey, don't do that." Hey, get in your seat. She never said a word about it. But me, I put my head down once. Hey, Stephen, head up. If you're tired, you need to sleep more. Your your desk was in the front row. Yeah, if even if you just like set your head on your arms on your desk, still with your head up and your eyes open, if you just Mm -hmm. dropped your head like rested your chin on your arms, she would lay into you. I'd like to think it's because she saw my full potential. And <laughs> she didn't, but I think she just didn't like me at all. I, yeah. I remember that, <laughs> that being probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest class I ever took in high school. I got one a in that class, I think third quarter, our sophomore year. And that was actually the only 4.0 I ever got in high school was that third quarter. Yeah. I never got a four zero. One time, I was one A away, and it was when I had Coach Lundstrom senior year mm-hmm. for English, and I was like, I had a C in his class. I remember I was like, hey, Coach, I've never gotten a 4-0 before. I need an A in your class. If you give me an A, I'll have my first 4-0 ever. And he's like, well, what's your grade? I have a C. Get out of here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I didn't get a 4-0. <laughs> so, so good for you. Valiant attempt. I try, you know, you miss all the shots you don't take. That's right. That's right. Gus, do you have uh, anything that you'd like to promote? I guess there's my mom's business. She has a business called Mormon Heritage Association. They do church history tours, um, usually all over the world uh, because of the pandemic. Right now, it's uh, continental U.S. only. The the church just reopened sites in the U.S. And I think they have a tour out right now, actually. But yeah, they do like Palmyra to Kirtland and uh, Winter Quarters, Nauvoo, a few others. And the cool thing for like in your mom's business is that they plan like everything yes so it's like every meal oh, everything so it's like if you want to go if you're really into like lds church history and you want to check out those sites back east and you don't want to think about any other planning then yeah it's if like you don't yeah way to go. yeah if you don't want to plan it yourself because it can be a lot and they take pride my mom's business takes pride in uh making sure that you get what you're paying for they fill every day as much as possible with with activity and knowledge and you, you really do come away from them learning a lot. Um, I went on the Kirtland to Palmyra to Kirtland one when I was 18. Uh, that was really cool. Really fun. You know, started in Niagara Falls and it was about a week. I think, um, I think I gained like 15 pounds because almost every other meal was a Chinese buffet. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. But then uh, I didn't actually go on another one of her tours at all until just 2019, right before the pandemic, we went to Israel. That was pretty awesome. I would highly recommend it. I mean, it's it's not cheap, but like we were saying, it is 100% all-inclusive. Covers all your hotels, meals. The only thing you would need to bring money for that's not included is if you want like souvenirs. But super fun. Um, and those will open up again soon. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more of... Her business is just waiting on the church to open sites worldwide. Since they have them open yet in the U.S., they they have opened again and have a group out. I think so. It's it's super fun. Most of her clients, I guess, customers are are older folk. Not all of them. Sometimes they've had groups that are whole big families. But yeah, like like a grandma and grandpa will pay for all their grandkids, you know, fifty however many people to 
to go on one of these tours with their family and they'll do like a, a family tour. That would be, you know, for some people, super cool, super fun. That's that's probably the, the off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of to promote. But. That's a great thing. Your mom's awesome and your parents, like, the business is really cool and I love your mom. She's like my second mom. I, I know she loves you. Yeah, can't can't express how much I love her. Yeah. Um, I feel like I got a, like birthday parties between because it was you and, and yeah. your brother Matt. Yeah. They throw my name on the cake and like it was my party too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I've always felt included um, as part of your family and uh, yeah, I love your brothers and your parents. They're, yeah. They're great. Yeah, I've been uh, been blessed with a uh, family for sure. My family, my wife's family. They're all awesome. Well, Gus, thank you for coming on. I know, of course, I, I love you. I'm just like super happy to talk to you, and I could talk for another like hours. Yeah, yeah, about all like kinds of fun memories, and like I tried to put a few, but maybe we'll do like a follow up episode or something or just, like, something. Yeah, I mean, I I've always felt like you know, we were like a trio growing up, so like I'm not surprised at all how how many times my name has already come up in other people's episodes whether it was you guys bringing it up or even whoever was being interviewed. So that's been fun. You know, we've always enjoyed a shout out. Well, yeah, Steve and I were just even saying that we're looking through and I was cleaning out the basement. So I even found a whole bunch of pictures too. And it's always us three. Like, mm-hmm. I have like dozens of pictures of the three of us. Yeah. 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 But love you Gus, And thank you for coming on. Yeah. Yep. Love you guys too. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, we just got done talking to Gus. What are your thoughts? My first thought is I love doing these interviews in person. So if you guys live close by, I think that it'd be great to to interview people in person because it was awesome just to, like, it's good to see people on the computer screen, but it was really great to just be here with him in person and, and be able to have a, a real conversation. Yeah, it was it was good. I think you even mentioned it, but we could have talked forever two, three more hours. Uh, the thing with Gus, and I, we didn't talk this during the interview, but he has been the person, even with you, like you and I have get together quite a bit like now, but he, Gus has been the person that I have most been in touch with for the last 20 years. Like we work together and this isn't the first time we've worked. We've been working for the same company for the, like I've been there for, um, nine years and he's been there for six years but before that we worked together delivering and installing uh, workout or gym equipment i love that job it it was it was great because gus and i got to work together and uh, he would drive and i would i had a novel in my back pocket and we would i would read a book every (laughs) every day so i was reading Gus was driving. We were getting tons of exercise because we were lifting heavy equipment and putting it together. And it was great. I loved working with Gus. And we've been working together for a long time and see each other every day pretty much. So him and I have been – and we just like we said, we play tennis like almost every Saturday. Mm-hmm. So he has been really my closest connection uh, the last 20 years as far as, as far as of a friend. And he's great. I think what's interesting is – as has been mentioned on previous episodes and today, like he stays in touch with a lot of people. He stays in touch with people better than I, than anyone maybe I know. Cause like he'll always send texts to up, like update texts. Like he'll let me know not as much lately, but almost every time you guys would play tennis, he'd be like, kid Gonzo's butt today. And just to mess with or, you know, or, uh, would he, he would never let you know if he lost. Oh, pro- no, no. I don't think he ever, it sounds like he never has to. <laughs> not recently, but the last times we played, uh, I, I put up quite a fight. I yeah. think it's in, in the next couple of weeks, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll text you when we, when I'm in. <laughs> okay. But I, I think he does a great job at staying in touch with people and, We've had multiple guests on the show because he stays in touch with people and he can reach out and he I don't know, he stays in touch better than I do, for sure. Yeah, Robin was someone that um, Gus reached out to. Tara was someone that Gus reached out to. I know he's reached out to others as well. Other guests that we have like lined up in the future, are there are a few that are because of Gus. So mm-hmm. he's been a good, yeah, it's like 
producer credit. If we did credits at the end, we'd put Gus as a as a executive producer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but in terms of the interview, I think it was great. I think having known him very closely, because I mean we've been super close all the way back to when we were 12 13 14 like sitting in your basement or his basement playing super smash brothers on 64 like you were always pikachu i was always samus and he was always mario but he would always win even though like i think all three of us think we would always win but gus would always freaking win so he started being captain falcon you know just because he's like i'm on a challenge and then it became good with that one too but and goldeneye i remember mm -hmm. like yeah uh goldeneye Smash Brothers and NFL Blitz. And those were all games that he was probably like amazing at. I don't, I don't think I ever beat him at NFL Blitz. No, <laughs> no, he was good at all those. And I mean, to go from just punk kids where we did everything, I love him. You know, and to see him now as a dad, we talked a lot about it, but to see him as a dad, to see him as a husband and just to see how caring he really is. And he, he values that relationship. He values those people in his life. And it's very apparent uh, the way that he conducts himself and the things that he chooses to do. Like he said, like, I, I, I don't know if I can work that much, but I definitely won't work that much because he loves to be with his family. Yeah, the thing that, and that's what's, you know, someone that I've known him for 20 years plus, the biggest change that I've seen in Gus in the last 20 years has been when he had his his baby boy and just how much he how excited he is to be a dad to be with him when whenever his like anything any new like milestone that his that his son is doing he's like all about it he's talking to me about it all the time and it's fun to see the 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 man that he's turning into and being a father I think, and he he's gives Rachel a ton of credit, and being a husband has kind of like he's still saying like it's kind of given me some direction, but I think being a father has given him like this is what I'm passionate about. I think he's passionate about his family and his son. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is very clear. So to see him, I don't know if anybody knows this. I think a lot of people did, but he was Digger Dan. Like he was the school <laughs> oh, yeah, mascot. I forgot true. to bring that up during. During the interview, but uh, to go from like punk teenage kid, school mascot to school record holding high jumper. That record still holds. Yeah. And so I think he, he got like a scholarship. He went down and did it at SEU for a while. And to see him go from hopping around and doing all kinds of crazy things and just living it up, like you said, with Hess. And then, and then maybe he can send us a voice memo because when he was talking about the years between getting married and after high school, he said those seven years, it's like he was talking about being kind of directionless. But then he said, I, I just kind of like they're either a blur or I don't want to remember. Them. It's just like, what are is it only being direction directionless? Is there other things that are, are there other reasons why those years were kind of like a blur? Yeah, that's a good question. So maybe Gus, if you're. If you're up to it, send us a voice yeah, memo. Yeah, send us a voice memo. Maybe we can add that or we'll see how that goes. But yeah. I love Gus. He's like a brother to me. I love his family. They have for years and years and years treated me like one of their own sons. And when I had a lot of stuff going on at home, I always had a stable home to go to just right down the street. Jack and Patty are some of my absolute favorite people in the world and I think I can genuinely say that I can give a lot of credit to them among a few other peoples in that neighborhood growing up of how I turned out to be who I am, at least in the good ways. Yeah. You know? No, I, and I feel the same way. I feel like they were, they opened their home to me and I always felt at home there. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah. So good job, Jack and Patty. Uh, Gus loved having you on yeah. and, uh, yeah. love Gus too. He's the best. Yep. If you'd like to be on the podcast, send us an email, jordanhigh2004podcast at gmail.com. We are, we have it. We have enough voice memos for this voice memo episode. But keep sending them anyway. Yeah, keep sending them. We'll put, we'll put fun stories at the end and we, why not do two voice memo episodes if we get, um, if we keep getting voice memos. If we keep getting voice memos, we can do bonus episodes all the time. Yeah. 
that we'll do this bonus episode. I'm super excited. For those of you that are like, I don't want to, I don't want to come on the show as a guest. Send in a voice memo with a fun memory. Yeah. And then again, September 4th, the East Canyon Half Marathon. All of you that want to join us. Every day that goes on, I'm getting more excited about it. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. Well, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.